Welcome to another episode of Creative on Purpose Live. This show asserts that you are enough and yet capable of so much more. We need you. Ready to make a difference? Step into what's next with integrity and intention. Thrive through work aligned with your values, talents, and tribe. Be creative on purpose. This season is called Endeavor, Developing and Delivering Work That Makes a Difference, and our guests this season are leaders engaged in work done with intention and integrity that enhance the lives of others. I'm your host, Scott Perry, founder of Creative on Purpose. Learn more about me and my work at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest, Fei Wu. Fei, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell the viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where they can connect with you to learn more. Hey, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. My name is Fei Wu. I spell my name a little differently, which is F-E-I, because I'm originally from Beijing, China, and uh, I speak fluent Chinese, Mandarin Chinese. So I'm a bilingual podcaster based right now in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, I have a business called Face World LLC, and our goal is to tell help small business and and people tell better stories, connect with more customers, and also uh, create new revenue streams. Fantastic. So what uh, connection is the word that leapt out at me right away. So how how do you go about building better connections, stronger connections, more meaningful connections that that have an impact? So before I had a podcast, this is before uh, four years ago, uh, I what I believed in was basically reach out to people. So instead of relying on emails and even constant phone calls, I remember walking up to people, inviting people out to lunch because there's something to new, uh, something to learn from everyone. And it was very addicting to me. So we would go out to uh, have dim sum, but you know, those one-on-one connections are great. And I wanted to record those conversations. And that really is where the podcast called Face World stemmed from. So I would say that these days for me to connect with people authentically from around the world, podcasting has been a great tool, not to mention a lot of my new and existing clients also came from uh, the fact that I'm a podcaster. Did you, uh, just out of curiosity, did you get into podcasting after taking Seth's podcasting seminar or uh, fellowship, or did, were you in the game before then? Definitely before that. I believe Seth started that program maybe a year ago, and there's a new one, um, the new one that he just started. I'm kind of excited, too, uh, to check it out. Um, but I started uh, Face World in October 2014. And tell me uh, a little bit more about what what phase world looks, feels, sounds, and smells like. Definitely. It it has changed over the years. Uh, I want to call it out because for any of your podcast room creator friends, which is all of your listeners, Scott, out there, the idea that you should know your avatar and know who you're going after immediately is just impossible. Um, And it was impossible for me. So I started interviewing people who I believe are just unsung heroes and self-made artists because there's a trend going on right now. Instead of letting the celebrities take the lead and let them determine the stories that are important, you know, there certainly has been a movement of us, regular people, finding stories that are resonating and relatable. And that was my mission. And today, four years later, there are themes um, and categories that we thrive in. To mention a, a few of those, crossing border, because I'm an immigrant myself and I was able to connect with a lot of people um, like me. And social service is another huge 
uh, category. Uh, I strongly believe that we should all contribute and give back to society. And uh, another one to throw out, um, I'm friends with a lot of Cirque du Soleil artists and uh, you know, one or two turn into a whole bunch of them. And we have a, a thriving category of performing artists as well. So would you say that it's it's fair to say that you launched your your podcasting endeavor before you had a clear idea of who it was for, what it was for, and the change that you were seeking to make? Absolutely. Had no idea what I was doing. No clue. <laughs> Super nervous. And uh, people still listen to episode one. It's like, hey, I just want to know. I just see how, how far you've gone. I'm like, why are you listening to the first episode? Don't. And I realized that I shouldn't be ashamed of that, you know, and that there was my beginning. Well, and how powerful is it to, I mean, the, the, the mark of the entrepreneur, freelancer, bootstrapper, whatever it is, is that we are all, we all learn by doing and you, mm. you learn quickly and you learn big, powerful lessons and you learn them fast when you stand up in public and, you know, stand up to be seen and speak up to be heard, you get some pretty uh, immediate feedback mm-hmm. on what's working, uh, but more importantly, what's not working. And it's, I, I'm totally with you. I, I've been, this is, I think episode it's, it's hard for me to say because I did a whole series of conversations before it was called creative on purpose. Uh, but we're approaching the 60 mark um, as you and I are speaking here. Mm, wow. And uh, you know, I had <clears throat> no, no idea. I, I, barely knew what podcasting was when I started sharing uh, these conversations on iTunes. And it's been very much, I call the process thrashing my way to clarity. I just kind of dove in with a knife in my teeth and uh, into the shark infested waters of, of podcasting and, and thrashed my way into some, something resembling uh, clarity. So Go ahead. I, I was going to say, Scott, I, I think it's interesting that you're a musician. I've been following your work for a little while and uh, you're, uh, you're, you're a thriving example from the, the Seth Godin's LTMBA community. You've been a coach. And I think it's interesting, you know, looking at your background of musicians, which um, it's also a category. It's part of performing artists that we've interviewed uh, a lot of musicians. And I think the process of learning how to play music is quite it's something that's so profound um i remember growing up in china i was my family was thank god it was kind of against of me learning how to play the piano and getting beat up every day because there was a hardcore thing that every kid did but i realized that when i chose to learn music saxophone and keyboard a um, little bit later now in retrospect really helped me dissect the learning process and i think that is an advantage to you to learn, I think guitar, especially, it's something that's not immediately intuitive, right? Like the way that you use your fingers and the coordination, whereas keyboards is more, you know, sequencing, whereas this is just so much going on. So I think even though that you say you had a knife in your mouth, <laughs> jumping into podcasting, I, I think you had the courage and the experience from music that you're able to leverage. What yeah, well, I appreciate that. I, I <laughs> definitely felt comfortable uh, standing up and being seen, speaking up, being heard, maybe a little bit too comfortable. And so <laughs> I, I try to, uh, I, I have a certain reckless uh, mm. streak in me in terms of just being willing to just do something when I'm not quite yet ready. But I think, uh, you know, I'm, I was hearing this in your story too. It's just, you know, ready enough, ready to try, ready to uh, 
find your way. And uh, your work has been, um, well, I, what I'm seeing now seems polished to the point of, of being uh, kind of network <laughs> quality. Oh, thank you. I'm really impressed uh, because I think, the, you know, audio is one thing adding the video component too, and all the technology that's required. And it's interesting with, with the music thing, uh, since you're a musician, we'll go ahead and sit here for a minute. It's with music, it's, it's a language. And so you, when you think at at a very basic level, what's, what's language for it's, it's used to communicate, connect and collaborate. Uh, So the only way that you, you actually make progress as a musician is by practicing daily this Mm -hmm. using this language and language is only really useful if there's an audience involved whether that audience is uh you know your mom and dad in the in the kitchen or you know your friends at uh sitting around the living room or whether it's on a street corner or on a stage or what what have you so Mm -hmm. that that part of it i think is is important and i i assert that we are all musicians we all have the ability to sing a song hum a song whistle a melody we all have the ability to dance or tap our foot to rhythm Mm -hmm. so for the only other element of music that missing is harmony and you can learn three chords on a guitar in one afternoon and be playing uh, your your favorite songs from the radio uh, Mm -hmm. within a week so in addition to this idea of connection, what are some of the other things that you aspire to do through Phase World? Yeah, so as you know, Scott, I recently, recently, as in pretty much spent the entire year of 2018 uh, building up, pre planning, uh, producing a documentary. And uh, that is sort of a new theme that I've introduced to the line of work. And I am a firm believer of. Uh, audio is important. And to be quite honest, I was never comfortable putting myself in front of a huge audience, unlike you, and and then really to show my face in a video format. I just kind of convinced myself that audio is enough. And, you know, now in my mid-30s, and I thought to myself, okay, I should do something that really scares me. And documentary has been, and docu-series really has been uh, a project. I am a uh, to say the least, crazy about lately. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you mentioned um, you, you brought up fear and kind of leaning into that. Mm-hmm. Would you, what, what, what do you feel like your relationship with fear is, or, or maybe even better, what, what was your relationship with fear before you decided to put yourself out there on, on camera? And what's your, relationship or how are you uh, reframing fear now that you're putting yourself in front of the camera? Mm -hmm. I think so much of the fear that we experience as human beings are completely self-imposed. It doesn't make it not real because it's incredibly real. I remember before I stepped out uh, to have to fly from Boston to Vegas and I knew obviously all the travel plan ahead of me to go to LA and New York and stay in Airbnbs with three to four people that I've only got to know recently. And it was so daunting to actually, as a grown-up, live with other people in a very confined space. It's just, And then I have to be in front of the camera and look a certain way and have to look good. And 
um, and wake up at four every morning. So, you know, I remember a point where two weeks before I flew out, I actually felt like almost sick to my stomach. I, I couldn't even sleep thinking, why couldn't I just write a book instead? I mean, this was the worst idea that I came up with. And it's needless to say, it was so expensive too. But I have to tell you, because everything was already booked, it's not like I could really back out of it. And my fear started to shift a day or two before the actual event. And I felt incredibly at peace right, to, with myself, with this project before I, before I flew out. And then certainly there were ups and downs, which is worth probably another episode. Um, but overall, there's definitely has been more up than down because I was working with this incredible team who was there for me every single moment of the day. We were a lot to each other. But when you work with people you trust who love you and your work, um, that is the best of connection that you could ever crave for. So uh, as I'm standing right now, you know, a few weeks post-production, well, post-production as we're doing all of this, I'm just feeling like, to be quite honest, that this year has probably been the best year of my life. And I can see an uptick of all the other possibilities um, that I want to pursue in the future. Oh, that's fantastic. I love, uh, I, I often wonder, I, fear is real. Fear is there for a reason and it's there to protect us. I mean, fear kept us alive when we were neither the, the, the dominant species uh, and, and more often than not, uh, going to end up as somebody else's lunch. So fear has has a, an important place in our evolutionary past, but uh, and and it still is working for us in terms of trying to help us retain our sense of belonging to whatever tribe we are associated with with at every given time and whatnot. But sometimes I wonder if. In this day and age, when we don't have to worry so much about things jumping out of the bush and bushes and eating us, if we don't, wouldn't benefit from reframing fear as more a gentle tap on the shoulder saying, hey, uh, this is fear. You're doing something um, that's going to change things, which, you know, you, fear wants you to stop. But it's also a tap on the shoulder saying, hey, guess what? Things are about to get really exciting. You're about to do something that's significant, important, may make a difference, may have an impact. Um, the other thing that I love about what you just said is the idea of just one getting through fear by putting yourself on the hook. You said mm -hmm. that you could not back down because everything was booked. You had a, you know, a, a flight booked, you had equipment. Uh, yeah. I think the idea of put of saying out loud, I'm going over there. Yeah. And then the, the last point that I was jotting down as you were talking is, and I'd love for you to speak a little bit more to this point, is the idea of collaboration and team building. How work, one of the things that, that I'm sure you learned, but I certainly learned from the Alt MBA um, that I needed to learn having been a solo uh, kind of actor for for so long is the is how teams make things better and collaboration always improves whatever endeavor you happen to be interested in. I wonder if you'd speak a little bit more to your experience about building teams, working with teams, and and how teams can enhance the work that you do. Yeah, I think there are a lot of solopreneurs and solo artists out there, and I have a lot of respect for them. And I spend a lot of time by myself these days as a freelancer. 
Um, but my background actually came from production and project management. So for the bulk of my career, for over 10 years, every single day, I was talking to dozens and dozens of people. And at least with my core group, it's probably hours at a time, meetings and collaborations. So it's something I was already familiar with. And let's all just admit, it doesn't matter how powerful we think we are, um, together, we're that much more powerful. Now, I don't want to refer to that as we should have an open office and be talking to each other and distracting each other all the time. But I think it's fascinating that how do we bring collaboration to the next level, which is this was not really planned. Uh, when I started my business three years ago, uh, I try to approach everybody, right? You know, I, I realized my brand attracted a lot of women and immigrants as well. So I was taking them in without a lot of money. I was pouring my heart out, building a website, helping them find new clients. That became extremely successful for several of these folks. And then in turn, I hired them to work on the documentary with me. So it wasn't so much of me going Upwork or freelancer.com and just gather random people I never worked with, but these people already had instilled trust in me. So on the road, they were willing to throw themselves into anything. And to be honest, I, I would, I cried during the documentary. I laughed. And that is ultimately the collaboration. Not only it's good, but I think, I, I want to see, I needed that energy for the docu-series. And I think we came through on that. Interesting. So, and uh, what I'm hearing there is that in addition to trusting others and and cultivating trust in you as, as the person leading a team or as the visionary that's kind of uh, leading a, a creative collaborative product, um, there's also this idea that you need to trust the process. The, mm -hmm. And I guess I'm speaking mostly just to the idea of the creative process. So maybe speak a little bit to your thoughts on what what is your what is mm -hmm. Faye's creative process look like, and um, what do you do to to kind of enhance that whatever creative endeavor you you're, you happen to be engaged in. Yeah, so I'll break that down, the, that question down to two scenarios. One is when I work with other people, like the docu-series and things um, like that. I think we find ourselves in that situation all the time when we're at work and such. And especially when you're in a leadership role as a project manager, for example, my intention is always, uh, number one rule is you need to step out of the way. You need to trust the process. Once once it's established and you have the team to do the work, you need to step out of the way. And that sometimes is the hardest thing to do for leaders. Even in cases where some leaders will argue that, you know, Joe Schmo doesn't seem to be the best at this particular thing. He seems to be a little stuck. Then offer a helping hand as opposed to pointing fingers and criticizing someone. So that's the rule that I have. And I always assume that people are going to bring their A game. And they do when you have that assumption. Um, let me know, Scott, if you have any questions, because the way I do my own work, um, you know, production or just something that's just me for two hours that I have a slightly different approach. Well, I, 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 let's just stay here with the collaborative part of it for a minute. And because I think what you said, there's a thread there that's worth pulling on a little bit. And that is the idea when you are the visionary, when you are the leader, it's you have a confirmation bias, but kind of baked into your, your filter. So you're always looking at things in a way that 
you believe is going to bring whatever your vision is to to fruition. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, why so many times uh, you find creative people in in the film industry. We have all sorts of uh, examples of directors that are very micromanage type personalities and are really controlling of everything and they want lines recited exactly as is no ad no improv mm-hmm. no not up to other ideas but you can't the people around you can't rise to the occasion if you're never letting them if you're not giving them the freedom to lean into the process themselves which means that that they most certainly will make mistakes and that they most certainly will do things in a way that maybe you hadn't thought of, or that is in some way different, different. But if you are able to, as you said, kind of get out of the way, mm-hmm. let everybody do their job, let everybody contribute what they are capable of contributing. Oftentimes, at least in my experience, the what what results is even better than what you envisioned, even if it's not exactly as you envisioned it. Yeah. I, can I give you an example? Sure. I think you're you're really touching upon something so crucial. We are, you know, we, we all grow up, uh, grew up in very different families. You know, I grew up, uh, my parents were very westernized, even, you know, by, by China standard, even maybe by US standard. And then we, when they were busy with their careers, they sent me to live with my grandparents who were polar opposite. So it was pretty miserable for a few years. But that sort of change is something that we need to adapt and then need to break through and realize, you know, even as a kid and like, what's, what's good and what's not so good. Um, and then with that sort of judgment, I think really informed a lot of the more management decisions, uh, I've had. Um, so it's, uh, it's really interesting. I, I had a lot of thoughts. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you uh, follow well, up some questions. Feel feel free to, to continue okay. down that rabbit hole that I opened up. But if I, I would also be really interested in in your creative process as uh, and if there's any checks and balances in your process when you're when you are working on your own because that's I totally agree with what you said earlier. I certainly find myself. Um, working either physically all alone in my room by myself. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes, even when I'm with other people doing work, I'm living up here (laughs) and it's, and that's also kind of a, a lonely uh, place and and sometimes a little bit of an echo chamber. So what, what are some of the, the, um, some of the things that you build into your process when you're working on your own? So when I'm working on my own, I, I try to, I mean, this is where you have to be really strategic because managing other people is actually a lot easier than managing yourself. So uh, the number one thing I tell, um, there's a section on my website where I dedicate a lot of resources to um, freelancers because when I started from scratch, I realized why let all these lessons go away? And um, so, you know, with a beginner's mind, I decided that number one that I embrace is you have to exercise. You have to find something that um, that you love. So if that means it's not necessarily weight training, you don't have to force yourself to do it. And for me, for the longest time was swimming. And the fact that I can either listen to music, not listen to music and and just be by myself, right? You, you can't, when you were swimming, you can't really focus on much of anything else. So that isolation from the outside world with no distraction was very 
awesome. And these days for the past six months, I am obsessed with dancing because I never believed I could dance. I'm someone who would freak out at a club and with very little coordination because we didn't really grow up and I didn't grow up in a culture where everybody just danced and um, it was actually very much frowned upon. But now I can't stop dancing whenever I hear music. So I went to a local gym. I'm still going to a local gym, Zumba and dance jam pretty much every day. Sometimes I feel like twice a day. That changes the way of how I work because now they're on my schedule. I feel, and I don't know, Scott, if you feel the same way, that I feel so motivated and clear-minded when I exercise. And in between those hours, I'm more productive knowing, okay, I got to head out of 5.30. I need to work on this thing right now and, and be very focused. And I think when you have a healthy body and when you can feel everything and it you can work a lot better because I got to say this, I was guilty last year of thinking, oh, I can't go to that dance lesson because that dance lesson will cost me $500 from the travel there, take the lesson and back. I shouldn't go, I shouldn't go see that movie because it cost me this amount of money and time with my clients. I, I dropped all those thoughts this year. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. I, so uh, my audience is, is well aware, painfully aware of my uh, practice, uh, mm-hmm. or, uh, my exercise is a daily run at the cemetery in town uh, where I live. And I use it as a mm-hmm. clarifying tool. It is my meditation. It is definitely, um, helps me clear my head. It helps. It's often, un- it, it will unblock me. If I'm stuck on something, mm-hmm. I may go for my run earlier than usual just to get unstuck. And I have a pad of paper that I just keep on the hood because I'm at the cemetery. I'm running around in a, in a big half mile loop. And so I get ideas that come to me. In fact, uh, I can show you. So mm-hmm. here's, here's today's list. Right? Oh, cool. So uh, that's, that's really important. But the other thing about my practice is, um, you know, I, I have a few years on you and uh, hopefully still have plenty of time left, but running at the cemetery does is a reminder mm-hmm. of uh, the fact that our time on earth is finite and that, you know, I am, it, it helps me stay focused on using my time and leveraging it to be developing my potential and delivering on my promise as much as I can every single day. Well, Faye, I so deeply uh, appreciate the work that you do and the fact that you would take time out of your busy schedule to spend some time talking with me. I want to close uh, with something that's uh, kind of new for me and and this this broadcast. And it, it's not dissimilar to the Tim Ferriss question about what would you put on a billboard. But Mm-hmm. If there was only, if you had the power to put one idea or one concept into everybody's head, uh, what would that concept or idea be? Yeah, I definitely thought about this, believe it or not. I know you didn't pose that question to me. Because a lot of your listeners are creators, I'm a creator myself, so are my listeners. We have to find new metrics. We have to find new metrics for ourselves. And, and the reason is we are uh, you all being brought down and it's small number of shames. If it's emails, the number of fans on your Facebook page, the number of downloads of your podcast, how many people are watching this or will watch this later, it doesn't really matter, right? If it's just one person, that's what it matters. So find your metric, find your new metrics, whatever that's not 
Sorry, it doesn't sound very sexy on a billboard, but that's my point. <laughs> no, no, I think uh, I think choosing your metrics carefully is really important. I, I think mm-hmm. uh, Seth talks frequently about psychographics being far more powerful than than demographics, and we spend most of our time concerned mm-hmm. about demographics. So I, I love that. So choose your metrics, choose your future, people. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you're still with us here, Faye and I. Deeply appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention, and we hope today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. We're both here to encourage you to keep flying higher, do out, go out there, do good work. We need you, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks very much, Faye. Yeah, thank you, Scott, for having me.